My name is Jennifer. I live in Illinois. I graduated in 2003 with my doctoral degree with $120,000 in debt, and I still owe about $63,000, and I am for student loan forgiveness. Hi, my name is Brooke. I'm 32 years old, and I live in California. I don't currently have any student loans because I was able to pay mine off several years ago, thankfully. However, I'm still very much for student loan forgiveness because I believe the cost of education has gotten to be just astronomical and it's very unfair that people have to spend that much money in order to get a higher education. And if we can forgive some of those loans, then hopefully people will be better off and the economy will actually be helped in many ways. Welcome to Michelle is Money Hungry, a podcast focused on having real and empathetic conversations about the intersection of money, policy, and politics. In my view, personal finance and money isn't just about working hard. For the next 12 weeks, yes, 12, we'll be talking about the potential for student loan forgiveness, the cost of education, and is this policy a complete overreach by the administration or is it necessary? My guests and I will talk about what gets lost in all the noise of politics, tweets, and everything in between. Is college really a part of the American dream? And is the cost of college a problem? For those of you who don't know, I used to have a ton, a ton of unsecured debt. It took almost eight years to pay off over $60,000 in every kind of debt you could possibly imagine. Credit cards, payday loans, and other really random debt. I don't even want to get into my student loans. That's why we have this whole series. As a result of my debt experience, I was really skittish about ever getting another credit card. I was very afraid of it. I hate to admit that when it was finally time to sign up for my first card in years, I chose badly. I hate this new credit card. <laughs> and I wish that I had known about cash freely when making this decision. What I love about this free tool, it's an app, but there's also a website as well. I love that it helps credit card users stay organized when using different cashback programs. So I'm personally really excited about cashback and travel rewards. But cash really helps users keep that all organized, all their cashback rewards. And that's something that I hadn't really thought about when getting my new card because I didn't use my cards well before. <laughs> so you don't have to worry about leaving all of those cash rewards on the table. Cash really helps credit card users optimize the different cashback rewards programs that might be a part of the current cards that you currently have or future cards that you may be considering. And what I like about this app is that you don't have to put your personal information in it. Everything rests on top of the app versus, you know, how like some apps you have to include your credit card information and all these kind of weird things. Cash really does not do that. And I love this. I also like the fact that it's designed by a regular guy, a guy that I actually know, Zach Hood. He's a regular guy. He used to be a teacher. He's now an entrepreneur. And I love that he's not this tech bro trying to create a, a solution to a problem he hasn't experienced. Zach understands what we're trying to do. And so he gets it. And so I love this resource. And just maybe that extra cash can be applied as an extra payment on your student loans. I said it. Again, this is a free app or you can use the website and I think you should check it out. I've included a link in my show notes and I'll be sharing this all the time. I love it so much and I hope you'll fall in love with Cash Freely too.
you think about the first episode of my series, Flashpoint Student Loan Forgiveness and the Crisis of Higher Education Cost in America? If you haven't had a chance to listen to it, I've included a link in the show notes. Definitely go and check it out. When I first started on the project, I thought I could cover everything that I wanted to in five or maybe six episodes. Like I literally planned for this to be a six episode season. Instead, it became a 12 week long series that could have easily become a standalone podcast. Like it could have literally been a podcast that only talked about student loan forgiveness for the next year. There was just so much to it. What struck me when speaking with my guests was how much thought they'd put into the conversations and solutions that they shared with me. It was nothing like Twitter. Soon though, I realized that there just wasn't enough time to discuss everything that I wanted to discuss related to this policy. I couldn't cover side hustles to pay loans down and the impact those side hustles had on people's lives or how borrowers should navigate the interest rates related to their loans or the deep complexity of the public service loan forgiveness program. I didn't have have enough time to talk about what happens when a guardian borrows a parent plus loan and their dependent tragically passes away. What do you do next? There wasn't enough time. However, there was enough time to discuss the complexity, the confusion, and the deep sense of angst related to this issue of the cost of education and the student loans connected to it. It's clear that somehow along the way, we've gotten this wrong. And now is clearly the time to rethink the cost of education and the role of traditional higher education when preparing for a profession. And as one of the guests pointed out, tech companies such as Google have created their own standalone certification programs. There was no time to talk about Gen X and the impact of student loans on this first generation of students who were woefully screwed by the system and now are dealing with their parents' and kids' finances. And now we're dealing with inflation. It's not enough as a personal finance content creator to share quick and easy takes. Sometimes you just need to take a stand. And honestly, even though I'm not thinking of how this policy could impact me, I don't know that I'm convinced it's going to happen. Like it's not real until it's real. I am, however, thinking about how I can help change the system so that other Americans, young and old, aren't sold a dream that they can't afford and don't realize it until it's too late. I often think about when I was heading off to college, I attended my college sight unseen because I couldn't afford to visit it. I literally went to a school. I went to a place, to a state I'd never been to before by myself. I took the train. I took Amtrak and I went from Denver to where my relatives live. I visited them for about a month. And then I went from there to the town I went to school in, sight unseen. I can't even imagine doing that now. I'd applied to seven colleges, gotten to six, damn you Northwestern, (laughs) and attended the school that I was awarded the most money for. It was an excellent education. But I also think about riding a camel at the epic party this school used to throw and how the cost for that party, clearly each year they threw this party, it was rolled into our tuition. The party was so big that it made the top 10 college parties in the US list when I was attending school at that time. There was a list for college parties for a long time and this party made that list. In retrospect, I would have preferred a discount on my tuition. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. Next week's episode is with Robert Farrington from The College Investor. Make sure to tune in.